Hey everyone, it's Taylor and Brendan from Blue and Gold Make Darlene. They tell you about the Hockey Podcast Network. Goddamn right we are. You know, there's an entire network. It's not just Blue and Gold Make Darlene. There's 31 podcasts, one for every NHL team. From terrible, horrible teams like the Boston Bruins to some of the best teams in the league like the Buffalo Sabres. Absolutely. And with that being said, if it's a terrible team or if it's a great team, no matter what, you are able to get two episodes a week from all of the hosts. New episodes come out every Monday and Thursday with new content covering everything from the latest that's going on with everyone's respective teams all the way through to doing more fun things like the many trivia games that Taylor and I have on our show. That's right. Hot content, hot takes, hot hosts. Hot hosts. You got it everywhere. Uh, and you you can find them pretty much anywhere you find your podcast. Apple, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spotify. Stitcher, if you're one of those weirdos like me that uses Stitcher. You use even, Stitcher? I do. Strange. I think I'm the only one who does. Okay. And even at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com if you're looking for some more info. There's a whole website that's that you right. could go check hey, out. Maybe it's getting to that point of the season where you're getting sick of the Sabres. I know some of us are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this again. West Coast uh, trip is about to be tough. Maybe you want to check in on some of your other favorite teams if you're one of those kind of guys. Absolutely. Well, they're all available and they're all easy to find. Gosh darn right. So be sure to check out the Hockey Podcast Network once again at their website at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. And be sure to follow on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Blue and Gold Make Darlene. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Cat Wrangler Taylor. <laughs> they are Both of my cats are all up on Taylor right now. Uh, first of all, just, of course, addressing you know the, the topic that has pretty much been at the forefront. Oh, both the cats are up here now. The, the forefront of the news, um, it, the, the COVID-19 coronavirus outbreak, everybody, you know, I, I hope everyone listening right now is staying safe. You're, you're staying in, you're limiting your, your contact. Please, please, please take, you know, the, uh, the social distancing seriously. Um, these cats are not right now. These cats are not, no. And Taylor and I technically aren't either, but we're being responsible. We're I sitting we're... far apart. I've opened every single door that Taylor has come in through. Uh, and he's also currently wearing a straight jacket right now. That's so. true. I also wash my hands with the straight jacket on. But Pretty we are amazing. sitting far apart, which I think is important. Yes. No large groups sit far apart if you're with someone. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just us here, you that's know. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we are not doing it in front of a silent audience like we usually do. I know. Sad. Normally yeah. we just have people just awkwardly stare at us and, and judge us in the distance, but not today. We're just just doing us out of the safety precautions. Um, but yeah, we hope everybody is is hanging in there. Hopefully, you know. You'll be able to uh, use this episode and our upcoming episodes to help the time go by a bit. Um, As we had said on our last episode, we moving forward now for one with seemingly the rest of the regular season probably being canceled. um, Along with the fact that there's just like a complete stoppage in in all sports really right now. uh, We discussed that the scope of the show moving forward is going to be changing a bit. We're going to be getting you know, a little bit off topic. Sometimes we might change it up. Um, more of like the fun topics, like what we've been doing in the past uh, with some special episodes. I think we're going to have those be a little bit more frequent. So uh, and continuing that tradition, we have some unfinished business. That's true. So like this was more than two weeks ago now. Yeah. Or is it exactly two weeks ago? Just, yeah, two weeks ago. Exactly. Yeah. yeah we started a list uh, ranking the top 10 uh, seasons 
of the decade. We're ranking the seasons of the last decade. and In terms we, of, like, happiness. True. And, and we really did enjoyable. get a head start on doing non- Specific, like specifically what happened on the ice this week content. Yeah. Which, thanks to, thanks to the Sabres for that. I would like to mention real quick that there was a brief plan thrown out there uh, that oh. the regular season would be ended as soon as the quarantine ended and that there would be a 2014 playoff with shorter rounds to start out at first and that the Sabres would miss Guess who was in spot. 25th? <laughs> yes. Pretty unbelievable, if you ask me. Uh, not good enough to make a 2014 playoff in Jack's fifth year. But anyway, I don't actually think that's going to happen. You and, don't? Uh, no, I don't think What that's... do you think of that idea, though, as a whole? It's a pretty good idea. If, I if, think it's fun. The thing is, if they could guarantee that the season was the playoffs were going to start, like, in mid to late April, or, like, early May, even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, here's the deal, though. They're not. Now they're talking about this going into potentially, like, August or September. Yeah. Which then, I mean, does that mean a shortened season next year? There's just the ramifications from this are going to be pretty like incredible to watch for yeah i mean yeah i don't want to speculate too much because it's hard to know what exactly to think uh with, with some of this if you're looking at some other countries which I, we're not the same as every country but uh people are in some places in europe obviously are locking down and we're behind the curve on everyone right now because we got it later but you look at like you know china in some ways is getting back to a little bit more normal life after months uh south korea has contained things pretty well uh, we obviously have not, but it's yeah, it's, it's hard to see an entire like countrywide quarantine or uh, like entire industry stopping for like that many months. Of course, it's unprecedented, so who knows? But I think the problem might be is kind of something you brought up. Like, what if it is? What if it only ends in like June? What if it ends in like mid June? Right? Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do then? You're gonna rush guys out to get them playing again? And then what? Like, well, is it what? It, I mean, entire playoffs. I guess my thought is, you know, if you could start to see the trends, you know, I, I think regardless of what happens, I would be shocked, shocked, shocked. Actually, no, that's not even a matter of being shocked. I'm a hundred percent confident that no matter when this ends, it's going to be played to not not to spectators. Like they're not. I don't think that. You know, if you're saying that this is going to be, they're going to be good to go back on the ice by June, I have a really hard time thinking. Yeah, that and I'm not saying that. That was just a random throw. Oh, no, no, no. So I guess what I'm, I'm getting at, though, with what regard with regard to what you're saying is, you know, maybe it's this, it's something where you start to see, like, it dying down a bit and it's trending in the right direction. And then maybe, you know, teams are granted the ability to begin, like, you know to start like practicing or something like that before like formal games start getting played um and there's a way that they can kind of like gradually ease into it rather than just being like all right you haven't played in four months like yeah. go play in like the most competitive you know style would, of hockey that you play ridiculous to stop for a couple months and then immediately start a playoffs which is my my guess is honestly that both the stanley cup and nba finals are canceled but we'll see how that actually goes the nba seems like there are some people interested in in this kind of being a change in how, and it, it does, I'm not saying people in the league, but some people out in the interwebs saying that this could just change because the, there's been ideas that the NBA shouldn't completely line up with the NHL anyway. Mm-hmm. Maybe the NBA season starts on Christmas, so it competes with the NFL less, yeah, uh, and goes into the summer, so it's it's by itself even more than it is already is you know final time because. Some people do care about hockey. That's something interesting. You bring up an interesting point there that, like, I think about this from time to time, but I guess I never really bothered to question it. But, like, why is basketball played in the season that it is? Wouldn't it make more sense to have it be in the summer? I mean, it's a part of the Summer Olympics. 
You have then you would have two major sports going on during the winter months, two major sports going on during the summer months. I feel like it kind of would make sense in yeah. that set in that way. Yeah, Olympics another consideration for what's going to happen uh, this summer. Yeah, yeah right. Oh my god. Forward. Although this is probably a dumb question for someone who knows more about this than me. Why couldn't we move it back a year and then do Olympics? You know. Still do it 2021. Still tough to 2024 one, but do this one in 2021. It's a good question. Yeah, I don't really know. Someone answer that. Why we couldn't do that? Yeah. Um, I, I that could be an option though. That could yeah. be on the table. I'll say why. Why can't we do that instead of canceling it? Not. I understand the reasons why it would be financially and logistically difficult to move it a year. Yeah. But if you can't have it, why not do that instead? Uh, but anyway, let's want to get back to our topic at hand. Yes. Uh, so we already did the five good seasons. So let's recap those maybe. Yeah. Top five. 2010-11, uh, 2014-15 somehow, 2015-16, 2013-14, 2011-12. Now, we're going to get into a lockout shortened season, another time the schedule. Number six. The 2012-13 season, which we really should just call it the 2013 season because none of the hockey was played in 2012. The amazing thing about this season for me in, in thinking about when you know we've had our conversations with compiling this list is that we have this in the middle of the pack. And how telling is it that this is a middle-of-the-road season when, for one, like you mentioned, there is a lockout. Two, um, Lindy Ruff gets fired, which I think is a huge storyline that, that plays into this season. This is, you know, when things pretty much right on the cusp of things really starting to go south and you lose the coach that had you know been here for what was it like his tenure here was what 16 17 years here i think 97 98 was the first year so i, I guess not quite 16 not 16 okay years. okay yeah well either way though i consider on a time somebody who is beloved by many and he gets replaced by a pair of gardening gloves which i think is pretty <laughs> remarkable Okay, and we'll you're get, making a face there. Yeah, it's a yikes face. It is a yikes face. Yeah, I um, mean, so we'll get into some of the reasons. You know, this was bad in multiple ways. Yes, but I would like to also throw this out there: um, the lockout. It's hard to overstate how much of a damper that put on first half of that year. Uh, so Sean McIndoe, known by Down Goes Brown on Love Twitter, him. Uh, recently wrote a thing called Subscribe the Subscribe to the Athletic. Yes. Also, he's on a great <laughs> podcast called Puck Soup. Oh yeah, which I'm sure is also struggling for topics right now. Uh, he wrote a thing called The Down Goes Brown History of the NHL. By thing, I mean it was a book. It was a book he wrote. I just read it. Great book if, you, if you're if you a hockey fan. I assume you are if you're listening to this. And in that, he laid out some interesting stuff about when Gary Bettman started in the NHL, which was around 93, uh, there was a lockout pretty early on, 94, 95. And what the owners wanted was a salary cap uh, for a couple reasons. And what, So obviously, a salary cap always behooves owners, most owners. In fact, you could say all of them, uh, because it keeps salaries artificially low. Uh, back then, the idea would be like, let's say a newish team, a team that just moved like Colorado that was having trouble spending money, or a team like that didn't have much money in general, like Hartford had to play in the same league as Detroit and Toronto. We could throw all the money in the world around. Uh, so that, you know, some of those poor owners obviously wanted it, uh, but the richer owners, they could look at it and go, yeah, well... It'll be good for us, too, because then we'll have to throw our hands up and say, sorry, Nick, this is the most money we can give you. Uh, and it did lower average salary. Salaries definitely, you can see how NHL salaries have not grown as other leagues have in that right. time. But anyway, they didn't get it in that first lockout. They didn't get a salary cap. It really, it failed. There were some concessions that the owners got that they wanted in that time, but there was a victory for the players. So this, there was that, along with multiple other things. Let's say, for example, 
declining attendance and revenue, which go hand in hand because of how boring hockey had gotten by 0405, uh, a million other things. With They really needed to change the game. They needed to change the rules. Their financial structure didn't work at all. I think four teams had gone bankrupt in the 10 years prior to that. It was starting to destabilize financially. And as we mentioned before, the massive gulf in the ability of teams to pay players. So that lockout happens. It's necessary. It's painful. It, they could have had an, uh, a, brief, a, brief, a bridge season. Jesus, mm-hmm. we can't talk. Uh, the owners basically, in, in an effort to win a total victory, turned down a really good proposal from the players. Uh, and it was like, no, we don't want 90% concessions. We want all of them. And they got them, but it took some time. And it really was, it was really, really bold of them to cancel the whole season. And mm-hmm. really wrong. But there was a reason for it, as much as it sucked. There was a lot of things that did need to happen. By 2012-13, we lost so much of a season. Really a lot. This wasn't like one of those lockouts like the NFL lockout a couple years ago that cost us a Hall of Fame game. The NBA lockout that cost 16 games. This cost 34 games. Yeah. Almost half the season. The season didn't start till like the last week in January. And it basically was over shifting revenue a couple percent. Which again, the owners seemed to win again. But... That was it. That's all they wanted, and they were they that. Well, somebody this, think about the billionaires. Yes, but this this shows how far they were willing to go over like very little. In a league where they were making money, where teams weren't going bankrupt, where things were stable, where there was a salary cap that was very friendly to them. Mm-hmm. So that was really really depressing to, to for Bad, that. To, yeah, because yeah, we just did a lockout. We just did a season long lockout, less than eight years prior. Yeah. It ended in July of 2005. This lockout started again by the end of summer 2012. Three lockouts in, in two decades is not great. Yeah, That's along, with, bad. along with a strike in 92. Right. People yeah. kind of forget. Uh, so then we get into the Sabres part of this. We already mentioned the season there. We literally just mentioned at the end of the last episode. The, not last episode, but the last time we talked about this. The season they were coming off is very disappointing. And this season took them from a disappointing team that was playoff competitive and or in the playoffs, to a bad team. It was the bridge year from the post Drury Briere years that were marked by teams that could kind of score, couldn't, didn't really have mental toughness, didn't really have, uh, didn't really have quite enough to. They seemed like they weren't able to ever overcome adversity. Is I don't mean to sound like a gym teacher, and they weren't perfect, and they never seemed to get the right guy to bring them from like a pretty good team. To a good team, unless Ryan Miller was standing on his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, that took it from that era to they're just bad now. And this team uh, did still have Miller. Miller's still playing well. And yet they were, through most of the year, they were bad. Very bad. Uh, and th- the one positive, I, get, I guess we can say, to start the year, is you know what I'm going to say. Our dearly departed Thomas Vanek. Mm. Had an unbelievable start. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah, And then he got hurt. But, and then he got hurt, the Thomas Vanek story. Uh, um, he was riveting. a hard, he seemed to be like a fit, not a hard trophy candidate, but like, a, you know, a guy that would get heart votes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, there wasn't an he was playing at, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he at, or a little bit above a point per game pace that season? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he was fantastic. Yep, and uh, yeah, everyone else wasn't, and this was when the, the bottom really started to fall out. And then, and the, the following season, 13-14, it really fell out. But So a couple things I remember from this season. Um, I think Vanek had 41 points in 38 games, so he missed 10 games. Cody Hodgson emerged. <laughs> Got points, bad underlines, and 
probably the biggest event of the season is the Pominville trade. Yep. Huge trade. I mean, that completely... I, I think it was like a seismic shift in the fan base when that happened because Pominville is somebody who, you know, is just associated with... I mean, was associated with just some key moments, you know? I mean, obviously, it's yeah. one thing that he was the captain, but... You know, you have just the history that he was involved in with the 05, 06, 06, 07 teams. Um, he was a staple of consistency for that team. Uh, you know, I, I mean, he he was he was one of like the marquee Buffalo Sabers. He has been of you know the past twenty years. He, I believe he's one of the top ten leading scorers of all time. I'm not entirely sure about that, but I'm going to take your word for it. I think, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that that's huge. And, you know, there really wasn't a whole lot that went well that season. I mean, otherwise, that was another year where I know in our first episode we talked about, you know, this a little bit, shocker. But this was another season where there was a lot of early season hype around Mikhail Grigorenko, and then he kind of just fell flat on his face in that year. So, and beyond that, I mean, one of the good things I'll say that happened was uh, – Alumni Plaza and the French Connection statue yeah. actually happened that year, uh, and nothing has really happened to it since. Tyler Myers and, Tom, and Thomas Vanek are still on that like overpass thing for whatever reason. They just haven't decided to change it in like eight years. So, yeah, I mean that's that's part of this entire thing. They don't, they don't put any money mediocrity is what so it's all. We should about. Uh, back this up a little bit. So the eleven twelve season we mentioned last podcast, uh, Ryan Miller get gets stacked. We mentioned all that. There was a, a you say like a lack of toughness that people thought the Sabres That had. was, yeah, I mean, after that hit happened, just the, the response to it. See, here's the thing is that like the response to it on like the surface to me is warranted. Like, yeah, you, there was not nearly enough of a response like in the moment when that happened. But the fact that that led to this like organizational like narrative that just kept pestering them like that we need to be tough we need to be tough and you bring in guys like john scott and zenon kanapka and these bonehead goons who offered was, no value it wasn't zenon kanapka i'm just saying like yeah. down the line like that's yeah. like a whole part of it like these are guys that had no business be- i know kanapka was like more down the road and everything and his whole thing was that he was touted as like a face-off specialist or whatever but it's that same kind of mold of player where it w- through those kind of, those middle years there, if you look back after the Miller hit, ha- the Lucic Miller hit happened, they they let it get to them so badly. They did, yeah. That it it really like kind of, for lack of a better way of putting it, like tanked to what they were like yeah. trying to do. Yeah, because you look at the they start, couldn't get past it. Darcy was at that point. They had spent a bunch of money the offseason before, which was really his whole excuse all those years he didn't have money. So they spent it. Things went wrong, and he kind of panicked. He didn't really make the team better. The moves over the summer were they brought in John Scott, and they traded Derek Roy for Steve Ott straight up. Yeah. Um, so, tough. Not great, and as they, they tried to They tried to be a tougher team, and they signif- they got significantly worse uh, pretty much right away, even though this is their third best points percentage season of the decade. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, what else do I want to bring up? Here's the thing. I, the other thing I want to bring up. This season, I think, started and is maybe one of, one of the best examples of the Sabres Twitter fighting. It's completely different now, but in the peak of it, I'd say was the lockout season. Or not the lockout season, the tank season. But this season was the year of do face-offs matter. 
And th- that was a huge, huge, long thing. Mm-hmm. We didn't have anything else to argue about. It wasn't election year, but we weren't arguing about that. You know, no, the election had just happened. Never mind. Never mind. Scratch that. Strike that from the record. So there's a lot of, like, Matthew Collar. He really emerged that year, I'd say. Mm-hmm. He became a star of Sabres Twitter. Totally. Arguing face-offs didn't really matter. And this started, I remember exactly when it started. It's one of the first games of the year, and Mike Harrington tweeted out, I think it was, I think it was the Sabres? I don't know if it was Gregor Ankle specifically. I think it was the Sabres overall. The Sabres didn't have a good game on face-offs. They only won like 30% on face-offs in a game that they won. And Andrew Peters, who also, I think that was his first year on uh, Hockey Hotline, it used to be called. Good Lord. Uh, with Kevin Sylvester. <laughs> so it was either his first or second year on that. And he tweeted at Mike Harrington, hey, like, hey, what the hell? Like, they won. Who cares? Harrington's like, face-offs matter. And I th- I don't know if it was Matthew Collard that really started it, but there's different events. That's got to be in, like, your overall face-off percentage doesn't matter. And all they had was years of proof and data and evidence. And everyone yeah. else said, are you kidding me? Of course face-offs matter. So that it was a season-long argument. Well, it didn't matter for the Sabres. They were one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah. But then that really started a, like... I think there was a lot of discontent at that time because everyone was realizing at the same time that, oh, this little era is over, and there was a lot of fighting. Yeah. A lot of consternation, you would say. And it hasn't slowed down to this day. I would say it has. It's slowed down <laughs> at different points. I don't know if I would agree with that. I think that it just takes different shapes. I think, obviously, the to- like it's not the same topic, but... I mean, think about the fact that, uh, about, uh, the, first of all, the face-off thing is something that's still talked about, obviously not to the same yeah. degree that it Look, was when that first started. My advice to everyone is to stop bringing it up. Only I get it's to bring it up in retrospective podcasts. That's how I feel about the tank, too, but that's kind of what I mean. It's like it went from face-offs, and then it was immediately to the tank, and then it was after that, it was like, well, was this worth it? And then, you know, I mean, now we're just kind of in a weird, you know, endless middle time where it's just nothing is really that's meaningful what I, I, I guess i don't think sort of argues as much i think we all get mad about the same things and there's a handful in different of, ways though yeah but i don't think it's like arguing though and there's only just like this handful of random psychos who are like roostalinen's the captain trade jack <laughs> or whatever else but i don't think it, there it's not really like that anymore i, I think it, it is in a different way personally i'm gonna i think i'm gonna disagree just because i just like that, Ristolainen's a great point. Like the discourse over him is just like look. I don't see dumbfounding to watch. You shouldn't consider those people part of Sabers Twitter. <laughs> Not my community, baby. Uh, <sighs> but anyway, moving on. We have <laughs> last season. Ah, yeah, uh, yeah. I thought about making moving this one up one, which is insane. But here's the deal: the good part of it. We thought we were good. Yeah, we got Jeff Skinner. That was cool. Yeah, we traded ROR, and people were like, yikes, I don't know about that. Traded for Skinner, it's like, man, I wish we could have both of them, which, which we could have. The we money definitely worked. should have and could have, yes. Yes, the money would have worked. And then... God, imagine those two on, like, the second line right now. Imagine that. Like, you keep the first line, however they're obsessed well, with it intact, and then... Imagine this one, buddy. We wouldn't be playing right now. Imagine that we'd have O'Reilly and we'd have maybe oh maybe there's a playoff spot locked up or we're gonna battle we're gonna battle with Toronto for the third spot and the season just ends. Sometimes being bad's a blessing. So anyway, they start seven six. This and team two. is exhausting. Yeah, sorry. They start seven six and two, which is just okay, and then they win ten games in a row. 
electric. That was six overtime wins. Standing. Yeah. I was at. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. I was at that San Jose game. Oh boy. That was just like such a moment for me where like when I was like done like screaming and everything and like just taking that in and just the atmosphere, the liveliness, the sounds, just like the reactions of everybody and just, you yeah. know, the general overall happiness, a concept that we're really not that familiar with. Stupid, um, get it out of here. I know, right? But like, it was amazing. That was something that like I hadn't seen in years. And like, I know we always go back to, oh, reminiscent of, you know, 05 through 07. And, but like, it really was like, just, it, it was just like a moment where being in that arena, it kind of felt like there was a collective sigh of relief of being like, all right, like we may not be like great, but like we're getting the job done. Like we're here and like all of this is over now. Like we're, we're past the past few years, like yeah. we're moving ahead and no that did not happen at all nope uh so what happened after that was they were number one in the league and they would have had to have a pretty big collapse just to miss the playoffs much less miss it they would have had to literally go 500 i believe or just under even 500 and they could have gotten away with it and still yeah the rest of the way yeah the way it ended up though uh i don't i think the, the pace was a little bit ahead what we thought it would be I think the last playoff spot was Columbus, and they had like 97 points or something like that. Anyway, the Sabres had to miss the playoffs by 20-plus points, so it was a complete afterthought by then. But the big thing was, at first, it was just a they had, they had a little losing skid right after that, and then they kind of were just an okay-ish to bad team for a while. And it started to get a little more and more concerning, because you had it in your head like, well, they're going to make the playoffs. And then at the deadline, the deadline, they didn't do much. They traded for Brandon Montour, and they traded out Nathan Boyu, even with just that, they completely crapped the bed at the end of the season. They completely collapsed. And they had like a 2-15 and 15 stretch and then won their last two games. By the way, if they didn't win their last two games, they would have Jack Hughes right now. Not my concern. But Isn't whatever. it if they didn't win their last one game? Last one game, that's right, against Detroit. Uh, so at first you had Jeff Skinner. People remember. You had Jeff Skinner going off. He really slowed down down the stretch. Eichel finished with 82 points, his career best, which still is his career best because he... We'll finish just under that. What is... Uh, during, I think we need to, like, rethink this, honestly, because... Uh, spoiler alert. We're at number seven right now. Number eight was 1920, and, like... This sucks, man. This yeah, is, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But then again, is it... Are they putting us out of our... Anyways, yeah, we will. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. And Reinhardt had 65 points. He had his career best. Uh, other things I remember, Carter Hutton sucks, but no one really talked about it because it seemed like a team-wide collapse. Linus Allmark wasn't great either. Uh, Darlene was awesome. Oh, Darlene, yeah, that was that was pretty big, bright spot. And then here's here's where it gets worse, though, and here's why it was pretty low down the list, and why it could be lower. So we start out good, and everyone's like, "Look, I know it might not make sense analytically, regular numbers, logically, whatever, but maybe we're better without O'Reilly. Maybe O'Reilly's bad for teams. Maybe O'Reilly's a, a cancer or whatever. Maybe he's bad in the locker room." And the evidence was he got to St. Louis, and St. Louis was more talented than the Sabres, it turns out. Um, they were doing terribly. Worst in the league. They were the worst in the league, and we were the best in the league. In fact, they were the worst in the league for a while, like right into January. And then they started winning. Historic turnaround. Yes. They started winning at an incredible rate, and the Sabres started losing at that same rate. And then O'Reilly just had an incredible finish to the season. In fact, O'Reilly's numbers were good the whole time. So people are like, look, he's good there too. They're not good either. See, it's fine. 
Meanwhile, Tage Thompson is, I don't doing doing what, being an Instagram thought and taking four shots a month. So anyway, uh, St. Louis. I'm gonna need to call my therapist after this episode. Well, here's the thing though: was there ever a round in the playoffs? You as a St. Louis Blues guy, a fella, a guy who owns some T-shirts. Do you? A what? guy who owns some t-shirts. I know right. you love blue t-shirts. All right, all right. Did Brad Boys ever play for them? He did, actually. He did, yeah. he did play for them. No. Backstory, everybody. Growing up, the Blues were like my like Western Conference team. That's why I think I've also talked about this on here before. Who was your guy? My I, I have my guy who was always like my random player who I really didn't have any reason to like, but I just really liked a lot was David Perron. It was him and TJ Oshie. I was, those, so, they were like two of my absolute favorite players in the what, league. So you didn't like the Blues till like 2010? No, I mean, I liked them before that. Like, I think it was probably like, eh, maybe it was around like 7th or 8th grade that like I started to like like them just because I just, I don't know. I'm yeah. the kind of person, this is I think something that you and I maybe differ on a little bit. I don't necessarily go as far, these days at least, to say that I'm like a fan of a team. But I have teams that I like. That, like I have teams I, that I like, yeah. buddy. You have come at me about this many times. Many, many times. So I don't want to hear that shit. You always shit. take the bait. So anyway. Touche. Anyways, though. At, at, yeah. at what point did you think they could win the Stanley Cup? Because I will say this. There wasn't a point in the playoffs where you're like, wow, no, these guys. I really didn't. I mean, to be honest. See, this is. The, so I'm going to be honest and say, like, there really wasn't a point that I didn't think. I thought that it was pretty remarkable. And I was more so, rather than thinking, like, they could really do this, it was more so my mindset was, this is just our luck that this would happen. So the thought of them being like, oh, my God, St. Louis is going to win the Cup wasn't really, like, a serious thought that I had entertained at the time just because of the fact that taking all of the, the, the you know, factors in the situation with how bad their start was – and their goaltending situation, you know, they're being led by a 24-year-old rookie who wasn't something that I think we Wait, have to remember. 25-year-old rookie. 25-year-old rookie who wasn't even their top goalie prospect. Right. Like, there was, in my mind, it was like, yeah, this is fun and, like, this is a great story. They'll probably sneak in, but, like, he's not going to be able to keep this up. Like, Jake Allen was too inconsistent, too, so that wasn't really a part of my mind at all. But one thing I will say, though, about my fanhood for other teams is that that has significantly dwindled pretty much over the past, like, seven years since, like, the Sabres started to get really bad because, like, now I'm just, like, I, I, I don't know. I just felt like the joy of watching hockey has kind of left my soul. Um, obviously, I'm over-exaggerating. I love watching hockey. And you sound like Ryan O'Reilly right now. I know. I, yeah. But, like, no, I think things, like, definitely change, though. Like, I think that, like, just because I'm like, all right, like, this is my goddamn team and like this is what i have to deal with and to be honest too like i'm a yankees fan i am a celtics fan um and i've been alive for, to see both of them win championships when the celtics won the championship because they are my team in the nba i was ecstatic about it when i have seen the yankees win world series ecstatic about it follow religiously the Blues and another team that I really liked a lot growing up too was also the Kings, and that's not coincidentally. Like I have both of like their like old jersey, like older like mid two thousands jerseys. But the the difference is though is like you can't. I, I don't know. I just can't see myself fully getting invested in any team other than the Sabers winning the cup and being like legitimately like, oh my god, we did it. You know, I, I could do that with other cities because it's not my main team, but with the Sabers. Like, they're my main team, so, like, I guess that also plays into it, though, is which is what I'm getting at, is, like, for me, St. Louis, like, 
I was happy for them, and obviously, like, I was rooting for them, but to a much lesser extent now, just because the O'Reilly stuff hurt pretty bad. But I, I don't know. It wasn't ever, I didn't really ever have a point where I was like, they might do this, or like, I really want them to do this, because it was just going to lead to me being more upset. I'm sorry I went on a tangent there, but I just needed to get all that out in the open. Okay, so. <laughs> Thanks, Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm, it, it was weird, because mm-hmm. it, no, it, it, it felt like it was a slow building effect. It's like, oh, St. Louis is actually going to make the playoffs. Actually, they're in a pretty good spot. I'm trying to think here, because the first round in the Central was Nashville and Winnipeg both losing, which people didn't expect. People thought those guys were both going to not go far. But like, I can't remember if the seeding worked out, but I I remember people thought that was going to be the conference finals. Like, ever, I think a lot of people thought that they no, were. No, it would have been the second round. Second round, okay. Right, yeah, right, right, right. like it was the year before. But people were kind of looking forward to that. And one of them lost to Dallas, and one of them lost to St. Louis. And I can't remember who I think St. Louis lost to, or St. Louis beat. Uh, maybe it was Winnipeg. No, I don't. I don't remember which the first round was, but it was like I just remember that happening as a duo. Yeah. It's like oh, they both won. That was weird. They're both underdogs, I think. And then St. Louis beat Dallas. And right. One ended up being a really good series. But you're like, look, Dallas isn't that great. They brought brought to seven. But San Jose also got brought to seven by Colorado, who really wasn't that great in the regular season last year. But still, you think like San Jose has all this talent. They're so good. Mm-hmm. They were so talented. And then they beat them, and it's like, damn, really? And Boston was like one of the conference finals in a snap, you know, over Carolina. So Boston seems like they'd be the favorite. And for, like, most of the series, you kind of think that. And then they lose, too. Yep. And game, that's another game seven. I think, did St. Louis play three straight seven-game series? Maybe. Are I think look so. it up? Nope. No, nope. it's fine. We're look just going to assume we're right. Look it up yourselves. Yeah. Anyway, no, I mean, I didn't expect them to be Boston, though. Like, to be honest. And who wins the con smite? I was rooting for them to be Boston. Oh, of course. I mean... Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, because... And then we come back a, a couple weeks later for the NHL Awards. Who wins the Selkie? Vladimir Sabatka. Ryan, o- yeah, Ryan O'Reilly. Patrick Berglund. Yeah, he was, uh, he was off the grid by then. Yeah. Tage Thompson was getting ready for a, a long career in Elmira. Or wherever <laughs> now. Wherever they play in Cincinnati. <laughs> Moving on, let's go to uh, number eight, which, as I had alluded to before, number eight is the current season that we're in. So, one thing that I think differentiates 2019 from, or the 2019-20 from the 2018-19 season is, throughout the entirety, uh, and we probably should have mentioned this before, but at least I would say for the majority of Sabres fans, throughout the a good portion of 2018-19, uh, I think a lot of people understood and were came to terms with the fact that Phil Housley wasn't the guy. He was not cut out to be a head coach. Bye bye, sweetie. Well, but like whether it's no, he his, I came his, to terms with that in the first month of right, his coach. Right, exactly. Yeah. But that's what I mean, though. Like last year was when it, or two years ago rather, was in it when it really kind of sank in for people. Yeah. Um, you know, pre- and and pretty much like as soon as like things started to go south after the ten game win streak, it was like, all right, this is not it. So you have that in mind. So then you come into this like offseason, like all right, well we have we're gonna resend Skinner. Uh, you know we'll have him locked up. We're gonna have a new coach. Um, a lot of talk around that. I mean it was a lot of hype coming into it. You know at the time when Ralph Kruger was hired, I think it was a pretty widely um, you know praised hire. Uh, getting him back in, it, it seemed like he was a guy who was really sought after. He provided them with the leadership and kind of just vocal stability that has been absent from the organization since I don't even know how long, probably since Lindy Ruff. 
um, you know, just with the ability to communicate with players and communicate with the media effectively, because there was always a wall, whether I was with Housley, whether I was with Bilesma, Rolston, you know, all these guys. So, you know, you bring in Kruger, you have these hopes and ambitions, like, okay, you listen to him talking for one, like, yeah, he's a very inspiring guy. But beyond that, there was actually some substance to it where he's talking about how he utilized analytics um, and how he truly believes that there's a place for them, how he seems to be really open-minded. And so coming into this season, there was a good amount of hype. You start off the year in first place in the NHL again. You know, this time your underlying metrics are looking a little bit better and you get people start to think like, okay, maybe they're a little bit better than we think. Um, and just... Wrong. What I Yeah, right. And what I think separates, you know, 2018 from 19. And to be quite honest, you could probably, you know, if we're in this position next season, it's going to be the same thing where the 2021 or the 2020-2021 season is going to be worse than this season because of the fact that, like, it just doesn't seem like we could hit rock bottom anymore at this point. And this season, I think the big takeaway from it is that there's no such thing as rock bottom we will just continue to keep falling. Yeah, see, it's tough, though. There's a, some things that made me... So before before even the worldwide pandemic hit, a um, couple things. They were very clearly wasting what was a nearly heart-level season by Eichel. Not nearly. It was. Like, if they're a good team, like, it, right? he should be... Uh... Jeff Skinner, despite getting injured, major disappointment major. this year. No way around that. Uh, Victor Olsen, good thing. I guess you would say. Yep. But the big thing, and something you know if you've been listening to this podcast for most of the year, is that we've taken a lot of issue with some off-ice things. As has one of our dear friends, Dwayne, who, before becoming uh, way too into himself on Twitter... I think dear friends might be a bit of a stretch. We never met but him. No. Uh, <laughs> he said he wanted to come on the podcast, and then he just didn't answer our texts. Yeah. Breaking news, everybody. So, but... But mm-hmm. they decided to have a 50th anniversary celebration and not their 50th season, which Vancouver did. Can we move this one to actually 10th? Because I'm just thinking more and more. I'm being so serious right now. Because well, this was just my list. Remember, I made it. You were just Yeah, to well, it. I did have a... But like I wanted us to be more agreed upon. I actually think this might be worse because of all of the outside factors involved. It's one thing like that the on-ice product has sucked. It's another thing... That all the off-ice stuff with the anniversary celebration pretty much being yeah. completely botched. But it's a whole different level that these people are now spitting in the face of every single person that they consider to be a part of their family. Hashtag yes. one Buffalo by not paying them. This is a whole new level of low. Yeah. And now we're at a point where they are, I believe, one of only two franchises left in the NHL that have not committed to uh, paying their workers I in the meantime while this stoppage is going yeah. on. When, in reality, the cost of what it would take to pay those people, not only for the wages that they're going to be missing now, but beyond that, for the wages that if the season were to ever get you know, rescheduled and those games are back on, it would be a fraction, not even a, a twinkle in Terry Pagula's eye in terms of the amount of money. The man is worth, his net worth is $5 billion. Now, people will say, oh, like it's his That's, money, blah, hey, blah, blah. Clarification. That's 5,000 million. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's what I'm getting at. Like, yeah. people don't fully understand how much just, how much money that actually is. Like, what's the one thing that people say? It's like, to count to, like, a million, it'll, it, you, like, it's, you know, 
however many seconds, but then to count to a billion. And, like, just think about the difference between these, like, these numbers. And, like, he is just stupidly wealthy. Now, granted, considering how things have looked around this arena and with the team itself and the investments, we don't know if that is, like, an asset satisfied or whatever it is. But he is a privileged billionaire owner who their whole thing at PSE is to preach one Buffalo this, one Buffalo that, we're a community, the teams are interlocked, yada, yada, yada. And when not only is it that you're screwing over the people who you claim to be a part of your family, you're also screwing over the fans because, again, we're about to hit the ninth season where we're not going to be in the playoffs. Well, we have hit the ninth season we're not going to be in the playoffs, and you have the audacity to raise ticket prices after that. You, again, are also spitting in the face of your alumni by having them wear counterfeit jerseys and spelling their name wrong. I, I, I mean, it goes so, I, I think, and that's the thing for me that separates this season from the other ones. So I'm going to actually break off and actually say that this might be the worst because there are so many off the ice issues that I think make this season way worse. And off the ice stuff that has really kind of transpired within the past couple months. Fair enough. I don't disagree. I think a lot of these are inter interchangeable, like we said in the first episode. What I was getting at, which Sorry. I'm glad you left me some time with here, is that... No, I'm, I'm being serious. You did, because you didn't mention it. Okay. You didn't. Okay. It's good. It's what I was getting at, is that it's not even the 50th anniversary, and it's not their 50th season. Yeah. Which we've mentioned, but in case you haven't heard it yet, th this is 50 years from 69-70. Their first season was 70-71, which means next season will be their 50th anniversary, However, this would be their 50th season if there wasn't a season-long lockout in 2004-2005. So it's neither their 50th season nor their 50th anniversary. The same goes for you, Vancouver. I don't care how well you're doing it. This is nonsense. This is like when people say uh, the president, we won't say his name, we're not getting into that, is the 45th president. He's not. He's the 44th. He's the 44th president. He's the 44th. Why is Grover Cleveland two presidents? He's not. It's ridiculous. You're right. Stop it, everyone. It's ridiculous. Learn what how to count. What are you doing? Learn how to count. But also, also for what it's you, worth, do I, you I, think I, that people in Vancouver, though, realistically, are like, with how well this has gone for them, do you think that they're like, nah, I don't like that you didn't do that this year? If you do it right, nobody complains. If the team's good, nobody complains. If you actually show an inkling of caring, nobody complains. It, it's just this whole bare minimum mindset that they have. Yes. That's to answer your question. I think you're right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, who cares? If you actually did this right, we wouldn't be complaining about this right now. You're right. So Even if it sucked. Like, that's the thing that I think about, too, with regard to this season. And people have brought this up, and it's really kind of got me thinking. Like, yeah, the, the on-ice stuff is really bad right now, but it would have gone such a long way with fans if before this season started, pretty much, it, like, the messaging was like, you know what, like, the past several years have been really hard on you guys, but so many of you had stu have stood by us when, in reality, like, you really didn't have any reason to. Like, nobody was making you, you decided to. And so, we want to make this year incredibly special for you, pull out all the stops to show you how much we appreciate you. And they have done literally the exact opposite of that. Yeah, they hate us. They literally do! Yeah, it seems like they do. Uh, anyway... Here's the thing, and this is really where where this come down, comes down to. Excuse me, On ice, this has been better. As we mentioned, they were 9-2-1. They didn't really stop being good till Not stop being good, Jesus. Stop having a chance until right around the trade deadline, which is later than most years. Um, so there's so many things that have been bad. Bottrell's been bad. The, the way this, his handle's been insufferable. I guess it, it depends if you think that 
every year gets it gets worse because we've had to deal with everything on top of that. So in, in 1920, going through the season, we've already dealt with all this other stuff. So that's already weighing on us. Or is that we've already dealt with this other stuff, we're more checked out. And it's hard to say. I think it is. I think you can't be as disappointed no matter what. Right. So speaking of disappointment. Oh, boy. We want to move on to 2016-17. Number nine. All right. Anyway, so here's a, here's a big a big dip on the list here. 2015-16 was number three. This is number nine. All right. Going into this season, and we kind of mentioned the end of 2015-16, they were played at a 94-point pace the second half of that year. They had 420 goal guys. They add Oposo in the offseason. And they do up the Pezik trade, which ended up being a bad trade. Who and that thought? really... Literally every smart hockey person on the internet said not to trade him for that idiot cool guy. Well, that's the whole thing. And, and that kind of goes back to our point before with regard to like the discourse amongst like Sabres Twitter. And I mean, this is more so hockey Twitter in general. But this was like... If you were to do like a case study about like Sabres Twitter with regards to like the analytics debate, this is like the key case where Mark Pesek was like an analytics darling. A lot of people were really high on him and he was traded when a lot of people didn't want him to, but the rationale was, okay, well you're getting a guy who plays, who has played, you know, in quote unquote bigger games and he plays with his body a little bit more. You know, and he hadn't really played bigger games though. Right. Players. Well, that's the whole yeah. thing, and so it's like this is where you get your whole like eye test versus analytics debate that I think really kind of like debate settled. It hit like it hit yeah. pretty high with this, and so yeah, Kulikov indescribably bad and hurt. Yeah. Well, he's hurt. He he broke his ass to start the year. That was trouble. Love to see it. Uh, we also got. Uh, moved up in the draft to get Rasmus Asplund at that point, which just what we needed another goddamn fourth liner. Yeah, really uh, glad we didn't do that so, to take out so, to bring Cat. Whatever they walk in, they, but going into the season, I was very confident. I think a lot of Sabres fans were that this was the year they could kind of t- make a lunge toward the playoffs. And before the season, if you would have told me the Sabres had the number one power play, it would be fifth in save percentage. I'd tell you, be a playoff team easy. Here's the reality: that did happen. And they got 78 points, which should have been an even bigger red flag than it was. Uh, year starts out terrible. Eichel breaks his ankle literally the day before the first game. Uh, Oposo's hurt early on. Evander Kane gets hurt in the first game. I think O'Reilly missed some time early, but not much. All those guys are back relatively, I wouldn't say soon. Yeah, Eichel, for as about bad as his injury was, he ended up playing 61 games. So yeah, he, missed so he was back about... Games. Maybe two months later, yeah. two months into the season. Maybe even less than two months. It was about December or so. I think it was before December, too. Was like, it? Yeah, I mean, 20 games. You play 20 games before December usually, right? Anyway, he so he, he has a pretty good year yeah. once he comes back. I think he was like 11th or 12th in uh, points per game. Um, as we mentioned, goaltending, Robin Leonard, good year. His first good year. Power play, number one. Um, some Some downsides here, though. Well, the, um, the obvious downside is you have this great power play and goaltending, and you're one of the worst teams in the league. I think they were 15th in the East. Uh, beyond that, though, they kind of played okay-ish. From like, like they had all their guys healthy, and then they were just okay, kind of plot along, get better. Uh, and then this is the first season of the bye week, which is a weird, weird thing that I'm still not used to in the NHL, uh, where. 
the Sabres had a late one. So almost everyone had already had their bye week, had fewer games played, and the Sabres have this run of games they're about to go about to have where they're going to be they're going to probably have the highest games played total in the league, much higher than the people they're chasing for the playoffs. So with one game left before their bye, they were heavy air quotes one point out. They really artificially one point out. These teams had three or four games in hand on them. They weren't really that close, especially that late in the season. This is right before the deadline. And they get killed by the Blackhawks. They have the bye week. And by the end of the bye week, they're multiple points out, as they would have been anyway. Mm-hmm. And then they never really recover. The trade deadline comes. They don't do anything, good or bad. Didn't seem like Murray knew what to do. They have a tough end of the season, and they finish with 78 points, which is bad. Which is not good. No. Uh, despite the goaltending power playing being as good as they were, uh, this should have been a sign that things were about to get not great. And at this point, at the end of the year, Murray and Bielsma get fired. There's a whole report that Eichel didn't want Bielsma around. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it, 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 we should have known. I, I remember I, if I when I look at my time hop every once in a while, my old tweets from that year. I do kind of say I'm concerned that the, the goaltending is this good and the power play is uh, this good and they're still not good. They're something close to good. But I don't think I realized how bad it would get. The problem with this season was just that first month of the season, this having this feeling. I remember actually it was the first game of the season. It was against Montreal in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Eichel had just gotten hurt. They brought him out in the intermission to like say, hey, mm-hmm. I'll be okay eventually. Kane slammed into the boards and like broke his shoulder, separated his shoulder in that game. They looked completely overmatched, and it was within like the second period of that first game where I was like, oh no, they're not good. And then it took like within the first month of the year for me to be like, oh no, Murray's bad. Like, it was bad, because then it, you're looking at it, and you're like, oh, they Gianta under contract still for a little bit. Mm-hmm. They have Bogosian under contract. Georges. Georges. Uh, Oposo, this is another thing that kind of Horrible sucks. contract. It was a horrible contract, but he was an all-star that first year. Mm-hmm. It has that terrible injury near the end of the yeah. year. Yeah. Matt Molson, by the way, also under contract at that point. But he has a terrible injury, and that ensures that that contract, which was going to be bad eventually anyway, was bad right away, which is terrible. Yeah. Um, so th- th- this was really just terrible all around. And I think at that point it was very unclear. That was the point where I was like, uh-oh, they're not heading in the right direction. All- and there was so, mu- there's so much optimism that we had for like built up for like two and a half years. Like, finally, we're rebuilding. We're doing it the right way. We have a coach that knows what he's doing. We have a GM that knows what he's doing. And we had none of that. We mm-hmm. do nothing the right way. And that was despite Kane had a pretty good year. He had a pretty good second half of that season. O'Reilly was still himself. Eichel had a, a good year once he came back. Reinhardt was pretty good. Didn't matter. Oposo was an all-star. It just, none of it mattered. Leonard was good. Mm-hmm. All of these guys, Murray's big swings were good. And he could do nothing around him. And that was the year uh, of, of a lot of wrist aligning debates. The other way around, which is when we were still on the side. Uh, the national analytics Twitter was not so much. But my general thought on the on this season and the next one is just a blank stare. That really kind of just sums up how I... Well, let's move on real quick then. Yeah. Because, so we meet some new friends this offseason. We get Jason Bottrill, fresh off two cups, uh, uh, Stanley Cups with the Penguins. Uh, he, highly touted as a GM candidate, hires Phil Housley, who... Who, also highly touted. Who his team just beat in the cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Housley's uh, the assistant coach for Nashville. So. We not- should have known back then, like, wow, this guy is a really great defensive coach. And then you look at their blue line and it's 
you know, Matias Ekholm, P.K. Subban, uh, Roman Yossi, and Ryan Ellis. Like, yeah, no shit. I could probably yeah. be the defensive coach of that team and be good. Third pair was, like, Yannick Weber. And how are the other one? Don't remember. Yeah, they're I'm trying they're, to think, but it was good. really good. Oh, is a uh, Matt Irwin? Yeah, who was Jesus Christ. analytic starling. Good third parent, if you ask me. So anyway, this this team. Uh, so basically, what would happen if you took the good things away from last year's team? Which I should mention, part of that reason is no one was convinced Robin Leonard was going to be that good all the time. Mm-hmm. And power plays can be—they can fluctuate, deceiving, especially when you f- turn over a coaching staff and hand the keys over to a moron, a feckless dope who should never have uh, been a head coach. Which coach are you talking about, Bill <laughs> Housley? You could have said that about several. That's all I was. I, I disagree. At. I think of all the coaches we've had, he's the one that inspired the least confidence. I agree with that, but I'm just saying a part about being like the feckless moron who doesn't know what they're doing. I think, I think probably... he's a feckless dope. I think Dope, excuse me. Yeah. Like Ted Nolan's a moron, but he's not feckless. Okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, Eichel got hurt again, but this time later in the year. Uh, they traded uh, Kane at the deadline. Didn't get that good of a deal. Robin Leonard... Took a huge step back, was pretty bad the entire year. Turned out later he was having his own problems with alcohol and depression. Which is really sad. It makes you wonder, like, what this team is if he addresses that stuff before he gets here and if uh, Opozo never gets hurt. Like, if you had that roster, with Kane included, at full strength, no Eichel injury... What do you have? I well, mean, here's the problem with that. They missed the playoffs by 35 points. Well, yeah, but also, though, like, I mean, Leonard last season was playing at, like, a Vesna level. This season he's been really good with – he was really good with a pretty not great Chicago team. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that they'd be blowing the doors off or anything, but I would be curious if they kind of were, you know, had them at full strength, quote-unquote. That would be interesting. Anyways. Yeah, another year where they finished the season terribly – uh, I'm not sure what else to say about this team. No, I mean, really, the only uh, good thing I think. Well, this what, was I mean, this was really hard though. I mean, did, uh, what did they? Pominville came back, which was Pominville like a, that was a bonus. I think that trade was like every, had everybody kind of thinking like, oh wow, like Botterill. Sure, because he did that around. He, am I mistaken? He did. did he do that around the same time as Connor Sheary? He did. That's what was I was Connor just Sheary about to say. Was that 2017 or because same off season? And Skinner's the next off. Yes. So. This offseason, yeah, he makes and he and picks up Boyu as well. Nathan Boyu, so and there's flyer a, for a third round pick. A yeah. lot of uh, analytics guys or other generally smart hockey guys around the league were like, "Oh, these are some smart pickups. They'll be improved," and they did the opposite of that. They yeah. were 16 points worse. They were the worst team in the league, and it was to, to me during the year it was unbelievable. It, you knew there was this is when you knew there was something really really wrong in the locker room, especially because or or with. The way things were going generally, because you're going a team with Ted Nolan, a uh, 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 constantly overturning cast of goalies, a first line of Gergensen's Ennis Molson that was designed to lose had 54 points. This team, this team that has Evander Kane, Ryan O'Reilly, Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhart, Oposo in a diminished state but still around, Robin Leonard and Net trying to win. Uh, Phil Housley is coach who is allegedly going to be a good coach of well and they were terrible yeah they were 8 points better they had 62 points yep how was that, how was that possible it got him Rasmus Stalin 
Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, sir. That's for anyone that's uh, listening that couldn't see me. I just kind of did a mild shrug there. Yeah, no, I know. But like, by the time we got Darlene, that was cool. Yeah, that kind of reinvigorated my interest a little bit. But I, I don't, I don't know what else to say. I mean, there's really not a whole lot else to say. I mean, that is, I think, from like an on ice performance perspective, that's as close to the bottom of the bottom as you can get. Um, going back to my point before about the 1920 season as compared to, to that season, I think that they're definitely close. I think, like I said, 2017-18 has the edge in terms of like the on-ice product, but 1920 for me just, I think, uh, just took on a whole new level of bad with just the off-ice stuff because that was not nearly an issue back then as it is now. One of the things, too, is that we can't unplug anymore. We have to talk about it twice a week. Have to. True. We have to have an opinion on it, which means we have to watch it. We have to pay close attention. Yeah. We got to look at the line combinations, which is something I did for most of my life. In 17, 18, I kind of checked out a little bit on that. Oh, yeah. Just That's like, probably the season that I watched the least hockey. I would say, like, down the stretch. Like, I just, I didn't even care. I, like, I, I mean, would, I cared. My, but, like... my main memory of that season, two of them. One is multiple times walking home from the gym, walking by Sterling uh, Avenue uh, Tap that's called whatever sterling avenue bar restaurant really nice place i mm-hmm. heard anyway walking by and seeing the sabers games on and it's one nothing early in the first period the other team i'm like huh they got scored on already the other one is i was at cole's on a saturday in like restaurant or department store restaurant is this on elmwood cole's on elmwood if you're not familiar great spot like a saturday in february and the Sabres were on, but they weren't on any of the TVs. And my friend had to ask for them to be turned on. And the bartenders was just like, oh, they're on? That was it. Yep. Anyway. That happened to me at Cole's actually in the dining room like a couple months ago. Even when they like, when they were kind of still in it, I, I had to ask. But I mean, at that point, I think everybody kind of knew what yeah. was going to come. Great place, though. Love Cole's. Yeah. And honestly, the store, too. They have some... Screaming deals. Screaming deals. This is Blue and Gold Make Darlene brought to you by Cole. (laughs) Well, where do we go from here, Taylor? Straight to hell, buddy. There we go. All right. Well, I mean, I really don't have much else to add. I've kind of sunken into a depression in thinking about these last handful of seasons. Any last thoughts on this? Nope. Good. This seems like a good place to end then. Well, Hey, by the way, anyone listening, tweet at us. Your yes. recommendations for what you want to hear for the rest of the year. Any theme ideas, show ideas, uh, whatever. Let's do a mailbag again soon. Maybe we'll do a mailbag next week. Let's do it. Let's put that out uh, tomorrow. Well, today when you're listening to this, but for us tomorrow. And yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll do that. Send us your questions. If you guys have any questions about... Anything. It could be literally, yeah, it could be Sabres related, related to the off season. It could be a historical Sabres question. It could be off topic and have nothing to do with the Sabres or the hockey, whatever Ask you want. Ask us about our personal lives. You most certainly our own can. Our greatest personal failings. Okay. What's your greatest fear? My greatest fear? Yeah. That you'll never admit you had a Brad Boy jersey. <sighs> All right, no, not everybody. admit. Admit's the wrong word. That you'll never remember. My greatest fear is that people don't remember things and that sometimes there's things in my life that I don't remember that other people remember that happened to me like it was a different person. It's the four locos talking, Taylor. I haven't had one in fucking... Two weeks? Less than two weeks. (laughs) Ten days. (laughs) 
Oh man. All right. Well, that seems like about uh, seems like a good place to end things. Um, so everybody, be sure to go listen to our sister shows on the Hockey Podcast Network, which can be found at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or yeah, anywhere where you do li- shows to check out. Yeah, there. we do actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, How's the hockey? What's up? House of Hockey. House of Hockey. Yeah, no, definitely. There's more than just the 32 teams, so you can get yeah. a little bit of a, a different fix in there. Yeah, we don't even have a Seattle one yet, unfortunately. That'd be cool. Yeah, but we have a yeah analytics one. There's a few. There's a few up there now. Yeah, besides great. besides if you if you don't want to just listen to the same teams over, everyone else is still doing their podcast too. If you want to know what the Vegas people are talking about in this time, mm-hmm. they don't even have history to talk about. That's tough. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, be sure to check them out anywhere where you can listen to podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, what have you, all the other Stitcher. ones. Stitcher, Taylor's favorite. Uh, and again, you can find us on Twitter at Blue and Gold Cast. So thank you all so much for tuning in. Again, stay safe, everybody. Please wash your hands. Take all the necessary precautions needed to avoid this shit from spreading even more than it already has. Uh, And be sure to tweet your questions at us for our mailbag that we're going to do for our Monday episode. So without further ado, we are going to end this show as we end all of our shows with our random Sabres player of the episode, which we are going to share with you all now in three, two, one, Phil Phil Housley. Housley.